What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I'm Daniel Yafusi. That is David Neal. Thanks so much for tuning in. Quick reminder before we start, make sure to subscribe to the Miami Herald YouTube page, like, share, comment, all that good stuff, as well as subscribe to the Miami Herald so you can stay updated on the latest news in South Florida. So the Miami Dolphins approved an 8-3 last Sunday with a 30-15 win over the Houston Texans. Came back from the bye. Yep. Smacked them around. Uh, At least for the first half, they were up 30-0 at halftime. Kind of let their foot up off the gas a little bit. Tua was taking out the game after two drives in the second half. Um, But they ultimately come away with the win in a game that they were expected to win. Uh, It took care of business after the bye. And now they moved on. And now they're moving on to the part of the schedule that we've all been looking forward to. I mean, months and months ago when the schedule first came out, we were looking at this schedule, uh, this part of the schedule, and we said this is one that will, this is a stretch that will decide the Dolphins' season. I mean, they're already in really good position to make the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Um, But if they can get through this December stretch with maybe a winning record, 500, take care of business on this road stretch, um, they can really cement their status as contenders and as a playoff team this season. And it begins this upcoming Sunday in San Francisco. Mike McDaniel makes his big return to face Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, and the 49ers. There's already been some, you know, some some back and forth on social media with Raheem Mostert, Debo Samuel, uh, Raheem Mostert uh, clearing up some comments he made to a reporter about the two offenses and, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and whatnot. So, I mean, hey, Mike McDaniel said he didn't want this game to be about him. He said, you know, we're just trying to face a good team. But there's a lot of there's a lot of storylines and narratives, uh, you know, at play for this uh, reunion of sorts. But we're going to start. Uh, with last Sunday's game, as I said, the Dolphins beating the Texans 30 to 15. Um, I mean, at halftime, I mean, I'm not going to lie, two plays in, the Texans ran two runs up the middle. They went nowhere. Uh, that, they kind of waved the white flag, if you're asking me. Um, the Dolphins were up 30 to nothing at halftime. Their, their biggest uh, halftime advantage since uh, 2015, I believe they were up 41 to zero or something like that. Um, but I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a game that they uh, left uh, unscathed. However, uh, you know, toward the end of the first half, left tackle Toronto Armstead um, left with a pectoral injury that was later reported by NFL Network to be a uh, a grade two strain, which is a partial tear. Um, he his availability for Sunday's game is honestly in, in doubt, not even just in question, but in doubt. Um, the report said that he was expected to miss some time. Mike McDaniel didn't give a timetable, but said, you know, they're working on uh, treatment options. Um, but not only did Tar- Tron Armstead lead the game, um, right tackle Austin Jackson playing for the first time since week one, um, he sustained an ankle injury, the same exact angle that ankle that kept him out um, for several weeks on IR. Um, it looks like his availability is in question. So you enter a uh, uh, a pivotal game against the 49ers with, you know, the status of your two offensive tackles um, in doubt. I mean, that's not a recipe for success. Um, but but again, we're going to start with that Texans game. Um, did you leave yourself more impressed with the way they came out in the first half or kind of scratching your head and a little bit concerned about the second half? Uh, it was, it was about the first half. I mean, it's, um, it, it, it it was what you the Dolphins came out and did what you 
you know, did what they were supposed to do. They got jumped on Texas, got him down early, pounded them, you know, got up, thir- you know, going to half time up 30 to nothing. Do, do you honestly think in the second half that either team came out with the intent that came out with the intensity they did in the first half? No, I think, I think the Texans did. I mean, the well, Texans well, put together some scoring drives. They, the Texans, the, yeah, yeah. The the, the, the Texans suck. So the, they, they, they do stink, but I no. The scoring drives. They made it thirty to fifteen with about nine minutes left. And they were punting back. I mean, hey, Dolphins defense had to make some plays to effectively seal that game because you know they they, right. they, the had, Dol- they had to make some plays. The Dolphin, the, yeah, the, they had reached. We we got to that stage of an NFL game, an NFL route, and and this happens during NFL routes. I'm sure you covered them. I know I covered them. Where like both teams kind of know what's what the deal is, and um, now. And there's just a drop of intensity, and and I don't, I think the Dolphins experienced it and just never kind of got back to it, um, you know, and, until they were like, oh wait a minute, oh what what they're, they, oh it's thirty to fifteen, oh sh- we got we got to do something about this, all right, all right, let's you know, and then you know they again did what they needed to do to get to walk out of there with the win, but I. Theoretically, the game was in doubt. I mean, you know, two score game, you know, nine minutes left. In reality, that game was not in doubt. Um, that game wasn't in doubt. And, you know, credit to the Dolphins for doing what, you know, doing what they needed to do. And now, the good part, it's supposed to be the good part about, you know, Going up 30s up at halftime is usually you can pull your starters and everybody goes, you know, everybody's sitting on the sidelines talking about post-game plans and everybody's healthy, you know, going in to face, you know, Jimmy G, Debo, you know, whichever Bosa's out there. And um, you get one Bosa one week, one Bosa the next week. And, you know, that's that's supposed to be the upside. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, you know, they suffered a couple of injuries that might be problematic, very problematic uh, coming into this week, especially. So I, after 30 to nothing, I, I, that's, that's not a film I'm putting, that's, you know, that's not something I'm a film. I'm really basing a lot of uh, extended analysis on um, the game was in the first half. And that's that, that was how different these teams are. The, the Texans are not 15 points worse than the Dolphins. They are 30 points worse than the Dolphins. And they are 15 points worse than like a middle pack team in the NFL. You know, so, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the most disheartening thing was the, was are the injuries. Because you want to get out of a game like that just healthy. Yeah. I'm going to have to disagree with you. And I'll. I wrote about it in, in my Dolphins film study uh, that, that went up on Tuesday, so check that out if you haven't. Um, I'm I was impressed that the Dolphins that the Dolphins quickly jumped out against um, an inferior team, and and we saw that even if they were a little bit rusty, like they they punted for the first time in three weeks, um, you know they they the timing of the passing offense just was a little offbeat. Um, you know, they were still able to move the ball and take care of business. But I got to say, when Teron Armstead left that game, 
a lot changed. I mean, we, we talked a lot. Uh, we remember when he, I mean, he's battling, he's been battling the toe injury all, all season. And this was the first time I believe all season that he didn't enter the game. He didn't uh, go into Sunday with, with the game status. I mean, he was, he was one of, you know, one of the guys that we didn't have a game status. Like he was, there was no question whether he was going to play. Um, so for him to have that pec injury, I mean, that's just very unfortunate, but um, it goes back to, you know, what this offensive line and kind of what this offense looked like when he wasn't in the lineup week five, week six, obviously Tua wasn't in the game as well. Um, Cause he was, uh, uh, he was a uh, sideline by his concussion. Um, but it's crazy. Like when Teron Armstead is not playing um, on that offensive line, it's like a domino effect. Like, like, I don't know what it is, but it's like the guy next to him struggles. The guy's two uh, slots down from him. They start to struggle. It's like, there's something that he does. I mean, players have spoken about it. Like just like the mental aspect, not only the physical aspect of the game, but the mental aspect of the game, like just knowing where to go, helping guys that he's next to and whatnot. Um, I mean, Tua was sacked. I mean, he's barely been sacked since that return from the concussion. He was sacked four times in three drives. I mean, like I, I I mean, I'm sure you saw it. I mean, there were everybody in the press box when he was taking some of those hits at being in the third quarter, but like, why is he even in this game? Um, I mean, it was like Ole, like they just like it was just no protection for him at all. I mean, he had no time in the pocket. Um and the and the Texans saw that. I mean, the Texans noticed that the Dolphins starting left tackle was out. Um, and that, you know, Brandon Show, who has played really well at right tackle, he he's not, you know, as as good on the left side. Um, they took advantage of that. Um you know, as much as important as, you know, Tyree Kill, Gene Waddle, um, you know, two of the play calling of Mike McDaniel is, I mean, um, I mean, that that stretch, though those couple of drives and really the entirety of the second half, like reminded you how important the left tackle is. And obviously two is right handed, so we say the right tackle is more I mean, sorry, he's, he's left handed, so we say the right tackle is more important. But I mean, having a, a nice stalwart left tackle is so vital in the league. Um, and the drop off from, you know, that all pro Pro Bowl caliber levels, it's it, it's a big it's a big drop off. Um, so again, I mean, I think that if you know if they were to play that entire game without, um, if, you know, if they if they needed two out there the entirety of the game um, against the Texans, like they would have been able to make it work just because, like you said, like the talent disparity was just so much in that game. Um, but I mean, in, in a game against the 49ers where you know they have arguably the best defense in the NFL, arguably the best pass rusher in the NFL. Um, you know, you know, a scheme that, you know, obviously the the opposing team knows very, very well. Um, I mean, it, it could be it could be very like like disastrous. I mean, there there's there's very few, I mean, there's a short list of players I wrote that like the offense just can't afford, like like they just can't afford to lose. Um, Tyree Kill is up there, but even if I mean to my in, in my opinion, even if you move Tyree Kill off this offense right now, um, they're still gonna be able to move the ball. Tua, we've seen some of the struggles that the offense have had when he's not in there. Teron Armstead is up there. I mean, he really like keeps this offensive line, you know, together. And I don't know how one player's absence can have such a big of an impact on the offense. Um, but he does now. Um, the Dolphins are going to have a week to make adjustments. Mike McDaniel more or less said we can't call the same game. We can't call some some plays when Teron Armstead and then also Austin Jackson isn't in there. So they'll they'll adjust. Um, but I mean, hey, 49ers have a week to adjust as well. Um, and you know, I think that I mean, if he's out for I don't know. I mean, they say a partial tear of the pec 
you can be out for you know a couple of weeks. I mean, I think I think TJ Watt had that, and you know he was sidelined for about two months. I, I don't think it's that bad. I think I think it's a partial tear, um, so he might be out a couple of weeks before he can like really start to kind of play through that. Um, but when you're facing a stretch of you know Nick Bosa, um, Khalil Mack, we don't know if Joey Bosa what the Chargers is going to be able to play. Um, but if he does, I mean that's another guy you have to account for. Um, and then the Buffalo Bills, I don't know if Von Miller's going to play, but they've got some um, some pass rushers over there. Um, not having a left tackle for three games, I mean that that could be uh, a, that could be a that that can wreck your game plan. And I mean to kind of finish my, my thoughts on that, I mean um, I, I was just I was going through different analytic sites and different you know um, stat keeping sites, um, and on True Media, like they have the pressure rates for. Um, each game and I kind of filtered it for when two was in the game. So against the Texans, two was pressured 33% of his drop back. So every, every three times he dropped back, he was pressured. That was just like over the entirety of the game. I mean, if I'm sure if you filtered it for when Teron Armstead was out, I'm sure that number skyrockets. Um, hmm. So again, they'll have a week to make the adjustments, um, but we've seen what this offensive line is like when Teron Armstead is not in there. And when you also compound uh, Austin Jackson not being in there, obviously he's not Teron Armstead. Um, but I mean, if you're counting on two offensive tackles um, to 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 get the job done and you know to try to have your offense register smoothly, I mean, whatever you want to say, I mean, it's just not going to happen. I mean, you're just not going to be able to run the offense with the efficiency, with the potency, with the dynamic um, ability that we've seen. But it there's a difference, however between there's a difference how how you put how an injury affects you when it happens during the game mm-hmm. versus okay we know on Monday we're not going to have this guy on Sunday and you know I think between like I said I think there was a predictable like you know Dolphins knew they had that game one. Houston just doesn't have the ability to come back 30 nothing. And then once you lose people, you combine those two things. And yeah, you're not you lose people in game. Yeah, there's gonna be more, there's there's problems, and there's more problems if you lose them in game. As opposed to, okay, you know, they've got yeah, yeah, San Francisco got a whole week to figure out how to bedevil the Dolphins off that side. The Dolphins also have a week to say, okay, this is what, this is how we're going to deal with this and not, and you're not doing it on the fly. And you have, you have game film saying, okay, this is what we didn't do well, you know, the last few games in doing, in doing it Sunday. And when Toronto was out earlier this season, so, um, you know, that's why the second half just just that second half doesn't concern me. The fact that they're going to be down guys going against a really, really good defense. Yeah, well, that's concerning, obviously. Um, and, you know, I think we're going to talk about that game pretty uh after our break, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's the two things to me are independent of each other and um, sort of independent of each other. So 
it's, I mean, it's going to be a problem, but the Dolphins do also have a week to kind of deal with this or prepare to deal with it. And, you know, it, I guess especially in game things when, when you have to make a switch in game, um, suddenly, you know, there's the work, the work chemistry between the left half and left guard is off, you know, who's taking what, who's making what on the fly and during a play. And then the guard, the guard in the center, it's off. It, it is a domino effect where sometimes, you know, wrong decision over here or different decision over here. Now there's a different decision over here or a wrong decision over here. And, you know, somebody comes, winds up, you know, bopping your quarterback. Um, so yeah, you got, it can happen with, you know, obviously any play, it can, it can happen with any player in the line, but obviously it's, it's worse if you're talking left tackle or center. Um, you know, the guy who makes the line, a lot of line calls and, you know, the left tackle who's usually facing the other team's best pass rusher, which is the right defensive end usually. Yeah, I mean, like you said, they will they will have a week to make those adjustments. I mean, I I floated some stuff on Twitter, like you know, definitely try to maybe they should less empty sets, uh, maybe have some more you know six keep running back keep actually tight end in there. Um, definitely gonna have to chip Nick Bosa. Um, it's definitely gonna be one of the one of the bigger tests for the Dolphins, as we said, and you know this uh this really the defining part of their schedule. I mean, not only do they have, you know, a road game against the San Francisco 49ers, um, with the Chargers the following week, um, the the Bills after that, um, and then they can finally get back home to face the the Packers. But really that three game, though that three those three consecutive road games. I mean, those are probably gonna that's probably the toughest stretch of the season by far. Um so we'll see how they adjust to uh the potential absence of Toronto Armstead. Obviously hasn't been officially ruled out, um, but it does look like he is he's gonna miss some time. All right, we're gonna take a short break, but when we come back on the other side of things, we're gonna finally preview the highly anticipated matchup. Like McDaniel back in his old stomping grounds. I mean, is he gonna is he gonna get one up on his uh his old mentor Kyle Shanahan? Uh, we're gonna talk about that and more. So stay locked with us. What's going on, everybody? Still here on the Dolphins in Depth podcast, talking all things Dolphins with David Neal. And as we previewed before the break, um, this was one of the biggest games. Uh, really most anticipated games on the Dolphins schedule when uh, the schedule first came out um, way back in spring. Um, the Dolphins obviously hired Mike McDaniel um, back in February um, from the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, so when the schedule came out, um, that's one of the first things um, we were looking at. When does Mike McDaniel make his return to San Francisco? He's finally, That time has finally arrived. Um, and he's set to, to meet back up with Kyle Shanahan, an old mentor, an old friend of his, um, who really, I mean, his, if you trace back Mike McDaniel's entire coaching um, history, um, you you won't find, I mean, you'll find Kyle Shanahan, uh, you know, right, right next to him. I mean, 
dating back to the times when they were, uh, you know, with Washington, with Cleveland, um, Atlanta, and then obviously with the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, they've been linked together for, you know, really like a decade plus um, in various uh, different roles. You know, Mike McDaniel served as an office assistant in Washington, um, you know, wide receivers coach. Um, and then, you know, he held various roles, um, you know, as Kyle Shanahan, um, you know, rose up the the ranks i mean mike mcdaniel did too he, he was not very far behind him obviously mike mcdaniel was the run game coordinator kind of the kind of the mastermind behind the run game um with the 49ers he got the opportunity last season to be elevated to offensive coordinator where he uh, had a role in you know a lot of the game planning and some of the um uh the play calling duties um and and now he's in miami where he's really brought that though that shot kyle or excuse me that shanahan style offense the, the wide zone scheme the zone running scheme a lot of the West Coast, uh, you know, concepts. He's brought that to Miami. He's really put his own, his own, uh, his own spin on it with you know Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle and, and Tua. Um, but you know, as they go head to head for the first time as head coaches, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering like who really has the advantage? Is it the mentor? Is it the mentee? Obviously, uh, you know. Mike McDaniel, he said, I don't want this this game to be about me and, and, and Kyle. I mean, the you know, he he's really credited, you know, Kyle Shanahan, really, you know, the Shanahan family um, for, you know, his his football background, his football roots. Um, and, and again, obviously, he's brought that offense there. I mean, he said that he's essentially, um, you know, had run a version of that offense since 2006. Um so, I mean, what, what do you think, David? I mean, who, who has the edge? Because to me, I feel like McDaniel had maybe has like the slight advantage in terms of like schematics because obviously the offensive schemes are more or less the same. But, I mean, he's less than a year removed from being in San Francisco. So, he still knows a lot of those guys. He knows Debo. He knows Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he worked very closely with Jimmy Garoppolo. He knows the defense because he's been going against uh, – he was going against them for several years. It's, it's not exactly the same with, you know, Kyle Shanahan. While he might know the offensive scheme, I mean, he hasn't seen those players up close. He hasn't seen the Dolphins' defense for several years. I think Mike McDaniel actually has – he actually might have um, the, the head-to-head advantage in terms of, like, this individual matchup, even though he's the less experienced head coach. What, what do you think? I think the the, co- uh, the guy with the advantage in the coaching matchup <laughs> is the guy with the better players. <laughs> and, who, and who is that? Who is yeah, that? It, it's, it's, you know – uh well, although as we were discussing along the line, <laughs> it might be uh the uh the son of Shanahan. Um and you know, at the skill positions, uh you probably give the edge to the dolphins. Yeah. Um sure. so yeah, there you go. Uh <laughs> I don't think this is a game that scheme will decide decide I don't and uh you know could could it come down to late in the game could it come down to you know clock management um whether or not you you know go for a field goal or you know go for it on fourth down um that those are the kind of decisions that might affect the game more. I think because the teams run similar schemes, I think that, you know, it 
kind of comes down to which which players perform better on that given day. And uh, I don't think either coach has a real advantage here. I don't think this is a – I I don't know that the one's going to outsmart the other. Um, I think no, one, you never know. I, mean, I, I think one might make work, <laughs> but I, I, that's it. I just, I just don't think, but I, I don't think, I think one might make some better decisions than the other one does the end, but those are decisions that he'll make, you know, independent of, you know, who's on the other sideline, you know, uh, because he'll and he'll make it based on how the game has been played and how the game is going. So uh, I, I don't see a tremendous advantage for either one. This is not a game that you know where I'd say, oh, you know, where I think ah, they'll they'll never figure out, you know, they'll never figure out how to deal with X or Y. I you know, I think in the expression of the scheme obviously the Dolphins with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell um even Gusecki and some of and some of the other receivers express the scheme in, in a way that the 49ers are not used to seeing it yeah and um that's going to I think that early on will catch them off guard um because when someone has is unusually talented and you're facing them early on, that's usually what happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, by the same token, like we talked about in the last segment, in the first segment, uh, the Dolphins are going to have to figure out a way to deal with the 49ers front four and particularly Bosa. And, um, you know, I I always like the idea of you facing a guy like that in the first three, four plays, you know, throw either a trap or a screen his way. Um, even if you don't, even if it gets eaten up, you know, do something that makes that guy think for a half second before he comes after you. And even, even if you do have to do it on third and long and say, hey, screw it, you know, let's you know, or second and long, uh, do it. But, um, yeah, so I, I, like I said, I don't think there's a great coaching advantage either way. And may, maybe it'll play out that one outsmarts the other at some point, but, yeah, you know, I, I don't. It's going to be a lot, of, a lot of body blows back and forth is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I just, I just think, I think it's going to be, they're, they're just going to, the game's just going to play out the way it's going to play out. And um, as far as the play, it's going to be decided much more so by the guy, the guys on the field. And, um, you know, they'll make decisions based, you know, they'll make strategic decisions based on those things. And, you know, some of those strategic decisions might be brilliant and some of them might be boneheaded. So, (laughs) you know. That's fair. I mean, this is such an intriguing matchup to me because, I mean, this is by far – and I said it earlier, this is by far the best team um, the Dolphins have faced since Tua's returning week seven. I mean, you can make the argument that in this moment in time, I mean, they're the best team the Dolphins have faced all season. I mean, week two, 
the Ravens were, you know, they had had some injuries on defense. Week three, the Bills had some injuries on defense. Obviously, uh, the Bengals, they faced the Bengals in week four, but I don't think the current Bengals, the way the Bengals are playing right now, kind of matches up with, uh, you know, the early season Bengals. I think the Bengals are a much better team right now than they were when the Dolphins faced them uh, in the first month of the season. Um, but, I mean, this is, you know, arguably the best defense in the NFL. Um, they allow the fewest yards, um, the fewest rushing yards um, per game. Um, you know, obviously we know about the offense and the the different um, guys that they have. And it's like the like the the cross unit matchups are just like fascinating. Like as much as Teron Armstead is going to be missed if he's not able to play through that pick injury, um, you still have to guard Herbie Kill and Jalen Waddle. And um, frankly, I don't know if there's any cornerback tandem that can really match up with those guys um, when they're at their best. You know, on the other hand, you got Debo Samuel, you got Christian McCaffrey. Um, Brandon Ayuk is a guy. George Kittle. I mean, I I don't know. Like, I don't know who 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 is the George Kittle stopper. Who who lines up and tries to guard George Kittle? I mean, not only in the passing game, but I mean, we've talked so much about how the Dolphins they need a George Kittle like tight end in their offense because he's such an impact blocker in the run game. Um, I mean, it's like I, I was kind of wrestling. Like, is this going to be a low scoring game because the because both coaches know the offenses so well. It's just going to be like a high scoring game because um, the defenses aren't able to match up. Like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, ultimately, I think that obviously you're going to get something in the middle. I think that um, we're going to see some, some really good defensive play um, on both sides because I think that, um, again, this is the best defense that the Dolphins will have played, you know, in months or in weeks, arguably all season. Um, and I think that they'll, they'll make some stops. I mean, the Dolphins. I mean, I was kind of surprised. It's like, damn, I forgot where Tom Thomas Morstead was. I um, mean, he, he had to punt a few times, but I mean, I think that he they will have to punt a few times. I don't think that they're gonna go five or six drives, you know, scoring up and down the field. But but on the other side, I mean, I think that this is a defense that is you know starting to put things together. They've played some 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 bad offenses and they've taken advantage of some favorable matchups. Um, for them to get a couple um a couple turnovers, um, a couple sacks, you know, hit the quarterback. I mean, at least their confidence is uh is rising a bit, and they're starting to think like, hey, like we're starting to we're starting to kind of get things clicking on, on defense. I think against Jimmy Garoppolo, who, um, you know, is prone to make some mistakes. I mean, he's not always the most accurate. Um, you know, he, he is a guy that that you can kind of fluster and um, get you to, to throw up some passes. I mean, I think that there's going to be some opportunities there. Um, but but truthfully, honestly, I just think that, that the loss of Armstead – um, compounded with Austin Jackson. I mean, if you if you're looking at a situation where you have, uh, I'm, I'm assuming if Austin Jackson and Tornopsa can't play, you're gonna have Brandon Show at right tackle and Greg Little at left tackle. Um, because that's that's what the Dolphins did late in that game when Jackson left in the fourth quarter. Brandon Show is serviceable as as right tackle. I mean, he's been played that position most of his career. Um, but Greg Little, I mean, we saw him struggle on the right side. He's a little better on the left side, but he's still, I mean, he's a he's a backup tackle. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Um, and just that matchup, I mean, I think that the timing of the offense will be a little bit better. Um, but this is a game where I think you're going to need to run the ball a lot better than you did against the Texans. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to do it without, you know, with two backup offensive tackles. And if they can't run the ball and then they're in these obvious passing situations, two has been great on third down. I mean, third and long, third and short. I mean, he's great on third down. But when you play a pass rush and a defense front that can get at the quarterback like they can, like the 49ers can, against your backup tackles, I mean, that can that can, that can can ruin a lot. Like I said, that can wreck your game plan a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I think that I think that on offense they're gonna be able to move the ball. The offense is gonna be able to move the ball. Um, but those offensive line issues are gonna just be just a little too much to overcome. And on the other side of the ball, um, I think that you know this this de- defense has made strides. Whether they're they're kind of like an average level offense, but I do think that you know playing you know uh, a competent offense, an offense that has legitimate playmakers and like uh, matchup you know matchup problems, the the ones that the San Francisco 49ers possess, I do think that they are going to be able to make some plays. Um, and ultimately, uh, I I just think that you know there's going to be a, it's gonna be it's gonna be a high high emotion game. You know, Mike McDaniel was already downplaying it, um, but there's no doubt that this means a lot. Um, yeah. You know, Mike McDaniel is as as humble um, and gracious as he is. I mean, I'm sure he'd love to 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 beat the 49ers, beat Kyle Shanahan. I'm sure Kyle Shanahan and some of those guys on the other side that were with Mike, they'd love to beat him and say, "Hey, like we we loved you when you were here, but we're still good over here." Mm-hmm. Um, but I think ultimately the home team, the 49ers, uh, get the win. I'm gonna say 21-17 um, in a close, hard fought, a hard hard fought battle. Twenty-one seventeen. That's a that's a good mid-range score. Actually, low for a modern uh, for an NFL game in twenty twenty. I mean, I think I think these defenses are going to make. I think these defenses are going to come to play for the most part. I mean, I really do. But and that but that also means I think there can be. I think there's going to be some turnovers and some short fields. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go a little up. Go get a little higher on that. I'm gonna go thirty-one twenty-seven. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with the 49ers. Uh it's a close game and so you take the home team uh in that one. Uh yeah. I just I think right now they're the best team in the NFC. Even and, better than the Eagles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh they're better than the Eagles because they're um uh, right now, I think they're better than the Eagles. Uh, you know, obviously they they had their troubles earlier this season, and you know that's why the Eagles have a better record. But and you can't play the Eagles cheap, but uh, they're they're still it's on a little vulnerability in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah they, 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 you look at it and you go, okay, I get it, and you're winning, and you're beating whoever shows up. But boy, I don't know. Yeah, um, so. They don't really, they don't inspire as much confidence in themselves as confidence in their opponent, or that an opponent will someday, you know, knock them off and bring them back to earth. Um, whereas I look at San Francisco and then poof, whew, that's that's a team that's improved, that's been slowly getting better. So, yeah, I think I agree with you that. This looks like a four-hours game, but it, it is not a game for the for those for the gambling types. And you know, I you know, I do love me a point spread and you know, putting some money down on things. No, I'd stay with, I'd stay with plus four last time I checked. I would stay away from this game. Uh, this just I would completely stay away from this game. And I could see this going a lot of different ways. Yeah. It, yeah. it, would, it, it would not surprise me if the Dolphins win this game, just because I think that they're gonna yeah. be up for it. Um, you know, again. Offensive line issues are concerning, um, but you still got to guard seventeen and ten. Right, you just don't have to guard them for as long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and you know, I, I think 
I don't know. I, I can, yeah, I can see, you know, the Dolphins have that explosiveness and um, theoretically the build to the point of put up a lot of points. But I also think the 49ers, you know, they can put up points too. I think both sides have shown defensively that they can create points, score them, short fields. Um, so, you know, that snowball can get rolling for either side also. So that's why I would stay away from this game. Because, you know, if, if if I, you know, if I woke up Sunday afternoon at some point and then, you know, it's like, you know, late in the second quarter and somebody said, oh, it's 24 nothing, I'd be like, okay, yeah. Well, I would be a little surprised at that. I would be, like, I, I would be surprised. I'd be surprised that it wouldn't be like, oh, my potential. goodness, are you kidding me? No. no. Okay. Well. I think these are two very well-coached teams, two teams I, that are going to be once that's ready no- for this game. But I think that once that gets going for either team in that direction, oh, they can they can they can they could they could start the snowball. It can start the snowball can start rolling, and then suddenly you look up and it's twenty four nothing. Yeah, I think that can happen either way, and I can. But I, you know, that's why I said this is not a game I would, I would lay any money on. I would just sit back and enjoy this game for what it is. You have what I feel is the best team in the NFC right now, and you have. Another team that might be playing the best in the AFC might be the best AFC's most complete team right now, and um, yeah, that's that looks you know so that's that's interesting enough for me. Um, but I'll take the 49ers if you know if you you know put my head on the chopping block and made me make make a choice. I'll take the 49ers. That's what we so, do. Gotta take integrity. Got it. Got, got it. Got to put it on wax. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're, we're both rolling, or we're picking. I'll say rolling. We're picking the 49ers uh, to win a close game. I think we both we both think it's going to be a really good game. Um, you know, last time the Dolphins did face the 49ers was back in the uh, the 2020 season, which was um, Tua's rookie season, I believe. They the Dolphins smacked the 49ers, 43 to 17. Uh, I remember Mike McDaniel um, pointing out that game as you know one of the games that that's vivid in his mind. Um, in, in recent Dolphins memory, um, you know, he's talking about the, the way the defense performed and just how ferocious they were. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe they can replicate that type of performance again against his uh, his, old, his old team. We'll see how that all shakes out. But regardless, it's going to be a great game, and I'm really excited for that. Well, that brings us to the end of another edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, reminder to subscribe to the Miami Herald YouTube page, like, share, comment, subscribe to the Miami Herald. We're gonna have a ton, ton of content this week. Um, you know, previewing the game, uh, the Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan um, relationship. I mean, there's so many former dog, us former 49ers on this Dolphins team. Whether that's Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Trent Sherfield, River Craycraft. I mean, there's a lot of guys um, who are also going to be making their return to San Francisco. So it should be really, really fun. Uh, we're gonna be back next week to recap another week of Dolphins football. But until then, you guys take care. See ya.